Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 106. We're coming to you with more content from CES 2013, uh, the event previously known as the Consumer Electronics Show. We talked to a bunch of companies, uh, including New Zealand firm Fusion Electronics. We talked to Peter Meir. Uh, we hear about uh, Ubuntu Mobile, a new uh, smartphone platform uh, coming out later on in the year. We hear about the Slingbox and the opportunity to use it in New Zealand. Uh, Toyota, we hear from them around uh, self-drive vehicles. And we also talked to Hip pop artist and host of Pimp My Ride Exhibit. Uh, so that's just a taste of what's uh, what's coming up over the next few minutes. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Let's jump in. I'm with uh, Bas Franson from the Wireless Power Consortium. Uh, Bas, tell me a little bit about what you do, where you fit in with the Wireless Power Consortium and uh, the standard that the Wireless Power Consortium uh, has, has established. Thanks, Paul. Um, I'm the vice chairman of the Wireless Power Consortium. I'm also representing the company Convenient Power. We are actually the co-founder of the Wireless Power Consortium. So this is all about uh, what USB is for wired connectivity. This standard is the standard for wireless power. Right now, this is the uh, the standard we've seen uh, in the Nokia Lumia 920, for instance, that was that was launched just a couple of months ago. Uh, that would be one of the first phones probably we've seen in New Zealand with the, uh, with this standard. Right. The uh, in other parts of the world, also phones from HTC have been launched, like uh, the DNA, the 8X. Uh, phones like the Google Nexus 4 phone. Actually, yes, we've had that one too. Yeah. Excellent. So yep. that is also based on the on the Qi standard. So it's called Qi, isn't it? That's yeah. the right pronunciation because I think initially with you know it being spelled QI, we wonder if it was you know the Qi uh, wireless standard. So Qi is the pr- correct uh, pronunciation for the wireless charging. That's correct. And, and yeah. Qi actually is a Chinese for vital energy. If you uh, so if you go to China and you say Qi, they will understand this is energy. Yep. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Good. Now, um, just having a look around some of the um, some of the products you've got here uh, on display. There's sort of a, a whole bunch, right? right. From um, uh, the little fat fat boy uh, pillow, which you can put your uh, I guess put your phone to sleep on at night, so it charges. <laughs> um, to uh, you know, sort of flat chargers and and stand up ones. Those are some of the Nokia ones. But there's products here from uh, really a whole whole range of uh, vendors including uh, uh, one that uh, is integrated into um, uh, one of the new Toyota vehicles, I believe. Right, this is actually, was launched by Toyota, or announced at least, uh, two weeks ago. It's for the Toyota Avalon, which is a model which runs here in the US, which commercially will be available in March of this year, so basically in two months. And that's an integrated car console, uh, so not, not like an aftermarket type of accessory, but integrated truly in the in the console of the car. And that's another proof point behind, uh, next to the mobile phones we just discussed, as the adoption of the technology in all kinds of products. Right, and one of the interesting things is that there's quite a number of phones that have been uh, been launched that don't have uh, the Qi wireless charging uh, capability built in, but can easily be uh, upgraded to it with the, by changing the back on the uh, on the phone. For instance, uh, the Nokia uh, 820 that's launched in New Zealand, uh, even the Galaxy S3 actually has the uh, has the connections there. So if you change uh, for a third party back that links to those connections, you can uh, you can charge those wirelessly as well. 
Yeah, there are a number of accessory companies addressing indeed this issue of the install base of phones which do not have Qi yet. Um, and examples indeed are S3. There are also uh, covers already available for iPhone 4, iPhone 4S. Companies are announcing here at the CES also iPhone 5 type of solutions will be available later in the year. Yeah, that's cool. And we also looked at a little uh, ring. I'm not sure what the company is that's uh, uh, launched this, but it uh, plugs into the USB port, you know, on, on virtually any smartphone. And uh, and and it's the uh, Qi wireless charging uh, with that little adapter into the USB port, which looks cool. Yeah, this is one one uh, way of solving or addressing the issue of uh, phones who do not are who are not yet according to the standard. And this is from the company PowerKiss. This is one of the members of the Wireless Power Consortium. It's a company out of Finland, oh, and that may make see. its way to the, the, the so-called Qi rings. Yeah. Will make its way maybe sooner or later into New Zealand as well. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great to see. Well, uh, thank you very much, time uh, for your time, Bas. Uh, it's uh, it's great to get a little bit of an update on what's happening with the uh, Wireless Power Consortium. I think uh, you mentioned you've been around for five years now. Right. Uh, so it's great to sort of see uh, all of this come to fruition and and products start appearing in cars and phones and. Uh, uh, just becoming really, uh, you know, mainstream technology. I guess this year in 2013. You you have phrased it very well. Uh, absolutely. Great. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. Next up, I visit and talk with the team from Canonical, who are the makers of the Ubuntu Linux operating system, and they have uh, have just recently announced Ubuntu Mobile. Uh, right now I'm with uh, Mika Meskinen from uh, Canonical. Now Canonical is the company behind uh, Ubuntu and uh, you've got a new product that's just uh, just sort of you've just unleashed really in the last uh, few days. This is a new mobile operating system based obviously on uh, Canonical's uh, Linux platform. Can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about this new mobile platform? Hello, hello. Yeah, I can indeed. So um, the 2nd of January this year, we, we revealed our, our operating system on, on, on phones and we are here at the CES to, to show it to the world. And, uh, and basically Ubuntu on phones is a result of years of work on a uh, convergence between different devices, if, if you like. So, so we have created user experience that uh, scales across a range of devices from phones to tablets to TVs and, and desktops and and uh, and uh, you, you can see the familiarity between the devices yeah so it seems like you know the the approach is that uh, the, the that you'll be able to run Ubuntu you know really right across a whole range of devices from yeah. from your smartphone um, you know right on to your, your standard PC uh, tablets being addressed as well. It's being worked on as we speak. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now it looks like a really nice uh, user experience. You know, you've got it here running on a, um, a, a Galaxy uh, Nexus uh, handset. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, it's a somewhat different, you know, ap ap approach in terms of uh, you know accessing it and using it. There's no uh, there's no buttons like the iPhone. You got one button. Uh, Windows phones got you know three. Uh, Android usually three. You know, three or four buttons for the sort of for control um, so how does this how does it work give us a little bit of a, um, a a rundown they're sort of swiping in from the side to access things and unlock the phone yes that's correct so uh, if I give you a little bit of background um, so we wanted to really disrupt the 
the the the status quo of mobile interfaces in terms of like um, um, so we thought that like buttons are getting a little bit boring it's it's 2013 and uh, people are getting used to like gestures and uh, and uh, uh, different type of touch touch uh, interfaces and uh, so we thought that like we could use the edges of the screen to um, give you access to, to functions like access to your apps, access to your system settings, uh, moving between applications and uh, and it, it creates like um, well, we've seen a little bit of that, I guess, with you know Microsoft's approach with Windows Windows 8, with the sort of swipe in from the side and so on. But mm. you know, you've sort of got really gone to that next next level with it, right? Yeah, we went full on, on, on and that's so like we call it like you could call it like a hundred percent full touch OS. So you mm. you only need the the screen and the and and the and the edges if you if you like. And uh, in the end, it creates much more direct access to. To, to your phone, so like at, at some point you even forget that they say home screen. So there's a home screen, you can find all your important content there. But mm -hmm. if you just want to uh, mute your phone or read your messages or launch an app, another app or go back to the previous app, it's all, you can all, you find you can find all those things around the edges of the phone. Yeah, so, you, so for instance, you, if you slide in from the uh, from the left of the phone, mm -hmm. you've got basically all of your apps there, and you can just jump straight into you know you want to be on uh, using Twitter or or Gmail or something else, or make a phone call. You just sort of swipe in from the left, and then you uh, you know let go as you land yeah, on uh, yeah. phone, and you're straight into that sort of particular uh, function. So it, I guess it's you know it's an interface that makes it quicker to get to where you want to uh, get to as far as Apps is, apps is concerned, right? Yeah, that's correct, and uh, and it is the apps where you want to spend most of your time in. So, so if you are in your photo gallery and you're enjoying your photos or whatever you like, and and then suddenly um, your, the Wi-Fi drops off, so you can't listen to Spotify anymore. Mm. So on iPhone, you have to leave the app, go to home screen, go to settings, find the right setting, and then find your way back to the app you were just using. So, so with the with the edge uh, magic, as we call it, so you can just find the the network icon on the top of the screen. You you swipe across the across the top edge swipe of the screen. Swipe down from the top, yep. yeah, and the you little the settings. Setting and uh, you fix your Wi-Fi. Swipe that menu away, and you are back. Back in your the phone. You were just yeah. using everything is back to normal. Now it's a it's a really sharp looking uh, user experience. Looks really nice. Now it's going to still be uh, probably a few weeks off until uh, this will be available for download to run on uh, run at least on the um, uh, the Galaxy Nexus. Um, and then I guess over time, you know, we would expect to see uh, manufacturers launching phones based on, um, um, you know, based based on the new software. Absolutely, there's just two. Uh, yeah, so three different things. So first of all, our app developer toolkit is out today. So if you are into developing apps, you can start doing that today. Secondly, uh, this particular downloadable image or ROM, if you like, that you can install on the Galaxy, handset, uh, Galaxy Nexus handset is a few weeks away or months or two. I yeah. don't want to hopefully, not too, hopefully not too far not off. Not too long. Yeah. So like there's yeah. a little bit yeah. of clean up to be done. Sure. So like, but, but we will get there and then, then early adopters, hackers and uh, enthusiasts, developers will get their hands up. We also want uh, the Ubuntu community on board. So there is no Ubuntu without community. and we're So, so Canonical, the, the company is just... Uh, 
it's just like one part of the whole, mm. whole Ubuntu equation. So how, how big is that community now in terms of how many people are using uh, Ubuntu uh, you know, on desktops and, and servers and so on today? So it's really difficult to find out um, exact numbers because we don't really track our users, if you like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a um, little indication could be the, the statistics from uh, Wikipedia is pretty much any computer that's online goes to Wikipedia at some point. Mm, mm, mm. So, and, and those numbers give us an indication of around 20 million people worldwide. Okay. Oh, that's great. Now, what's the what's the um, the app story? You know, you you seem to uh, with what you're showing uh, today, uh, you've already got sort of integrated, uh, you know, Twitter and Skype and a bunch of things. Mm. Um, you're able to run existing. Uh, what are the existing apps that you're able you're able to run directly on the phone, or do they all have to be sort of tweaked to be able to run in this environment? Yes, so um, we can already um, so existing mobile web services like uh, Facebook, Amazon, and Twitter, you can pretty much use them on Ubuntu phone as if they were native apps. Yep. So they can you can integrate them to your application launcher. They show up can can send notifications to the system. We can integrate uh, Facebook status messages, Twitter statuses to our home screen next to your contact details. And uh, so, so we can make your the web, web services, mobile web services really, really shine on this platform. And, uh, but if you want to get your hands on like richer interactions and more native, more, more, mm. more, more, more uh, sophisticated um, functions to the phone, then you can create pick up our QML-based application toolkit and uh, work natively. Right. So you've got, but you've got Skype on there. So how have you, how is Skype on there, for instance, at this stage? Is that something you partner with Skype on, or is that based on an existing, um, you know, Skype ca- application? So so Skype is tricky. So like the, um, uh, we are showcasing Skype as like a popular application that's being 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 worked on, but uh, but like I would expect that like. Uh, like web-based Bay application will take off sooner. So, so like work, we have Facebook working, we've got Twitter working. Right. So you don't so have anything Spotify, formal Spotify around is, uh, Skype at this coming to, to, to Ubuntu. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, thank you for that little uh, little preview. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's really great to see uh, uh, to see the work that's gone into uh, Ubuntu for uh, uh, for mobile. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's looking good. I guess uh, the big challenge is uh, you know how it can. Uh, win some market share against uh, the the dominant players out there. Um, yeah, that's where all the fun is. So because we, we believe we've got user experience mm. and technological background that, uh, uh, for example, the Hobbit movie was rendered on Ubuntu. So like thirty thousand Ubuntu machines rendering uh, the Hobbit, and uh, so based on this really solid. So we've got a fair bit of your technology running in New Zealand already, then. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, possible, um, yeah. And so, who, who do you think would be the likely uh, phone manufacturers? The, you know, the, the types of manufacturers that would uh, likely be sort of early adopters. Any any pick on that at the moment, or is that something a bit of bit of wait and see? So it's a bit of wait and see. So like our focus now is to to evangelise our our design and user experience, and uh, here at CES we are forging those 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 relationships. So. Okay. Oh, well, best of luck so, with that. Uh, hang on tight, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mika. Thank you, everyone. Hang Cheers. on. Cheers. Right now, we're going to hear about the Slingbox. Now, this is a, a consumer electronics uh, technology for uh, for consumers to watch 
TV from their, their skybox or set-top box at, uh, at different locations. In the past, it hasn't been suited at all well to the New Zealand market, but that seems to be changing. So let's jump in and find out the latest from the team at Slingbox. I'm visiting uh, Slingbox, uh, the Slingbox team right now and talking with uh, John Crick. How are you, John? Great, Paul. How about yourself? Excellent, excellent. Now, there's been some developments with Slingbox. Uh, I guess Slingbox is a product that we haven't had in the New Zealand market. Uh, I know it's, it's now become available in, in Australia, but you've got quite a unique product uh, that allows you really to access your uh, home video type content when you're when you're away from home or maybe even in another part of your, uh, your house. Now, in, in our country, that would mean access to uh, services such as Sky TV and and Freeview, uh, but from any location. Tell us a little bit, a bit, a bit more about uh, the Slingbox and how it works. Certainly. So the Slingbox allows you to watch your home TV anywhere in the world as long as you have internet access. How we accomplish that is our box connects to your set-top box just like your television does. It takes the AV output and plug it into our box. Our box features, features video pass-through so it can go right back to your TV, won't interrupt the experience at home. Then our box connects to your home network and that's how we're able to beam the video, so to speak, from your home to your favorite devices, whether it's a laptop, your tablet, your mobile phone, or even a connected device so that you can watch it on another TV set if you have a second home or maybe even a kid at college. Okay, that's cool. Now, uh, so yeah, we're looking at it here, running on uh, running on a tablet. You got it across iPad and and various other uh, other devices. Now, there's two newish uh, boxes that, that you've just launched in the last uh, few months. Can you run us through the differences between these uh, these two devices? Certainly. So our entry level box is the Slingbox 350. It replaces our Slingbox Solo. Both Slingboxes now are capable of streaming 1080p video. The Slingbox 350 has component and composite video inputs and outputs, requires a hardwired connection, and also with both of our boxes, we've now also integrated IR blasters into the box. So before you had to set up IR blasters that plugged in almost like a pair of headphones, yep. now it's even a cleaner cleaner installation for the customer as well too. Right, so that's the piece really that does the magic and talks back to, for instance, your, your Sky Decode or your other set-top box uh, to change channels and, and, and carry out those sort of commands. Exactly, change channels, allow you to access the DVR con and, and navigate the menus through too if you want to do something within your set-top box. Okay, that's pretty cool. Now, uh, so so that one comes in, what sort of price point? The Slingbox 350 is $179.99. Right, and then you've got one up at uh, 299 US that's also got uh, HDMI input and Wi-Fi. Correct, it has HDMI and 2.4 and 5 gigahertz wireless end capability inside it. Okay, that's really cool. Now, uh, for, for our listeners who are predominantly in New Zealand. Uh, obviously, you're not officially selling this product in New Zealand, but there, there is a sector of our uh, of our listenership that would probably be keen to uh, to look at maybe bringing one of these devices into the country. Now, if they were to do that, is it possible for them to control a box that you don't already have all the remote control codes and so on uh, pre-set up for you? It, it is. It does require a little bit of, uh, of some, uh, some programming, so to speak. Right now, uh, in our setup assistant, you'll have the ability to up 
upload your own custom remote skin. You know, working with Paul, we're going to put together a, a document to show you guys how to capture IR codes. You can also use our forums and our knowledge base, and, and we have great users out there that that'll help you kind of walk you through, or at least get you get your go get you going to be able to support that device. Oh, that's really cool. All right, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. We'll see if we can get that uh, that documentation together so it's available uh, to the community either through the NZ Tech Podcast site or uh, or through Geek Zone in New Zealand. So uh, hey, thanks very much, John. Uh, great to get a bit of an update on uh, uh, what's happening with the Slingbox, and very positive news to uh, to hear that we should be able to uh, make use of it in uh, in New Zealand going forward. Definitely, you guys will be able to enjoy your rugby and, and your uh, your football as well anywhere in the world. Awesome, thanks, man. You're Cheers. Welcome. Next up, I spent some time with the team from Replay XD. Now, they're pioneers in the area of uh, developing small, high definition cameras, uh, particularly targeted at uses such as uh, sports and outdoor activities. These are the sorts of uh, cameras that you could uh, mount to a helmet, for instance, if you're skydiving uh, or attached to you in a, or into a vehicle. Uh, so a whole range of uh, op- opportunities for uh, uh, for using this type of uh, camera. So with uh, Jason Lightheart from uh, Replay XD, now just been looking at uh, some uh, some new cameras that, uh, well, I guess the products you're showing today aren't uh, aren't brand new to market, uh, Jason, but just run us through what, you, what you've got uh, in market at the, the moment. I guess these are sort of competitors to, uh, competitive to uh, some of the other sort of uh, cameras that get used in, in you know various sports like the uh, the GoPro and so on correct, uh, correct but but yours are much smaller product right yeah a lot smaller we're about half the size half the weight uh, full full you know fully constructed all aluminum body there it's extremely rugged um, it's easy to mount we have a lot of mounts it's it's limitless where you can mount our camera um, with its all round shape you can get 360 degrees of lens rotation which means you can get any finite angle that you need to get um, it's a full 1080p uh, camera, so it's it's very standard today. Um, we've done a really good job of, of, of making it one of the best 1080p action cameras out on the market in terms of size, quality of, of, of the video, usability. Yeah. You've got one of the build an image stabilization and so on, right? Uh, basically, that's all on the mount. So yeah. uh, we spend a lot of time with the mounts. Um, that's our... It probably our, our, our core product as well is developing endless amount of mounts for it. Um, so you got them here attached to bikes, and yeah, oh, we have a lot of videos there. Them being on on racing cars. Yeah, and we have a whole standard, st- a, 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 a standard, uh, a standard mount line that that rotates, swivels, tilts. You know, does all kinds of things with arms and links. And then we have a pro mount line. And we have a pro mount line that's all built aluminum. Chassis mounts from half inch all up to two inches. We have a couple millimeter um, options for some popular tubing sizes. Uh, we have our billet aluminum suction cup mount. It's the sturdiest suction cup mount out there. Cool. Now, um, look, it looks looks like you've got a really broad range of accessories for you know hooking these on. I guess they get used in skydiving and just you know all, all sorts of activities. Uh, but what's what's coming up? What's coming ahead? We said GoPro have announced their uh, you know their their uh, well they've recently launched their you know their latest. Camera it's got the um, uh, the 4k resolution um, what what's coming from you guys uh, we've got some really cool stuff coming up here um, we have we have a couple projects that we're working on some really neat things coming uh, I can't say a whole lot obviously for obvious reasons but uh, basically you're gonna expect the same same size same form factor same simplicity same mountability we're just gonna have a lot of really 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 good improvements right underneath the hood so 
Uh, we're going to have some good resolutions coming out and some really interesting things happening. So anyways, we're pretty excited. Cool. So um, would it you know, be uh, fair to say next step for you guys, you know, 4K's got to be a part of that. Um, are you likely to sort of skip the, the 15 frame per second that we've, we've seen on GoPro that probably yeah, the, yeah, limits uh, that? Would you go sort of bypass that, go straight to 30 frames a second? The 12 and 15 frames per second doesn't really, it, it, it's, it's not in our playbook. Uh, we don't think it's a good feature for us. Um, we deal a lot with action sports and, and, and the like, and uh, we're always in the moment recording. So um, for us, we'd like to do 24, 30 frames per second uh, okay. when we come out with something. But um, yeah, we have some really neat things coming out. So 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 just so just keep a lookout for us. Yeah, no, that's great. Hey, thanks very much for uh, uh, for showing us what's on offer from uh, from from Replay XD, and uh, we'll see if we can get our hands on uh, on a on a demo product and uh, and have a little bit more of a look. Thanks very great. much. Thank Cheers, you, Jason. Well, that was Replay XD. Uh, right now, we're going to uh, jump into a chat with Peter Meir, uh, who runs Fusion Electronics. Uh, of course, a New Zealand company, uh, but great to have them uh, have them at CES. I'm with uh, Peter Meir from Fusion Electronics. Uh, Peter, how are you enjoying CES? Oh, it's great so far. Yeah, so far the the, the show's been um, uh, got off to a pretty good start for us. A little quiet in the first day, but today things have really picked up, and um, we're hopeful it's going to be continue like this all the way through till Friday. Excellent. Well, it's great, great to uh, to have New Zealand represented here at uh, at CES again with uh, with Fusion. Now, there's there's been some changes going on in Fusion's business. You know, we've known you traditionally as uh, you know car audio uh, business, and since you've sort of uh, joined the business, because you uh, you were the founder of Navman, and you've uh, you've joined uh, Fusion what about uh, four years ago since you bought into the business. Yeah, it's a little longer than that. Um, we invested, I think, first in 2006 as a minority shareholder, um, but but in 2008 um, I took the company over um, and changed the direction somewhat. We we took our focus from being totally automotive to actually the marine audio area, a market we knew very well, um, where there was a huge gap we'd identified um, for a true what we call true marine product, and um, and over the last three years we've changed really from being I think 15% um, marine to this year close to 70% marine sales and also almost doubling the size of the business too. Congratulations, so that's yeah, great. So we've grown a very significant uh, marine audio business well, which is great. I guess that, mm. that, that shows that you you obviously picked what the right opportunity was. Uh, I guess marine is, is a space where uh, um, you know, it's a smaller space, but probably room for for more margin, more opportunity for innovation. Now, you were just uh, showing us before some of that new uh, innovation. Your uh, your tie-in with some of the uh, navig- you know the hiring navigation systems now uh, that are, that are com- coming through in uh, in the marine sector. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we. The one thing we identified or perhaps was revealed to us by the navigation companies and the boat building companies is that um, space available on the instrument panel or the dashboard of the boat is really at a premium. Um, And what they want to do is try and remove that clutter. Um, So we came up with this idea of what we call Fusion Link, which allows um, us to provide a a software development kit and, and license, if you like, our user interface to the navigation manufacturers and the, just towards the end of this year we licensed um, last year uh, yeah, actually <laughs> end of last year you're right <laughs> I'm still on holiday um, we licensed uh, successfully Garmin uh, Furuno Raymarine 
um, and we've been also working with the Navico group, um, Lawrence and Simrad, um, and this allows them to put the uh, user interface of the audio system onto their chart plotters and fish finders um, and then talk to any um, Fusion Audio, um, Fusion Link capable product. That's great. So you've got one screen where you can control everything effectively. Yes, exactly. And, That's so and, cool. And they love it. And the boat builders really love it too. Yeah. You know, they like doing sexy stuff on the dashboard. And oh, especially with some of the sort of the, the high end, uh, you know, super yachts and and you know the higher end sort of uh, things that we're we're seeing that New Zealand is becoming uh, quite well known for. That, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's true. You know, we are, and I, I think I think we are known as a creative uh, nation in mm, the in the marine mm, area. Mm. We've done some, obviously, something very creative there. It's it's going well. That's great, and uh, and you're still innovating in the uh, in, in the other spaces with with car audio and so on there as well. Um, you know, I see you've got some uh, so you've got some distribution arrangements still going quite strongly there, and and uh, New Zealand see a, see a fair bit of a fusion product. But what are your main markets? Where where do you actually uh, sell most uh, most of your product? So as um as an automotive brand, we're we're strong obviously in New Zealand and Australia, our mm. home markets. Um, Automotive-wise, the market's got very, very competitive since about 2007. Um, we took our emphasis away. Um, we focused very, very hard on um, the um, the marine part of the business, but yeah. we built some very, very good technology building blocks that are also applicable to the automotive market. So now we're starting to move back across um, and invest back into the automotive side of the business again. Great. Um, and uh, you know, you'll you'll see us. Uh, don't be surprised if you see um, us back in navigation and um, you know merging navigation with our entertainment IP. But um, you know, we'll be back there doing the whole thing again before too long. I'm sure. Good, good. Oh, very nice to talk to you, uh, Peter, and uh, all the best for, for 2013. And I uh, hope you pick up some good new uh, business relationships here at CES and, uh, you know, help those uh, those international dollars flow back into New Zealand. Uh, that's what we're trying to do, and uh, you have a good time up here in Las Vegas too. Good stuff. Well, good to get an update there from, uh, from Peter Meir at Fusion Electronics. Uh, right now we dive in and hear from Toyota about automated or, uh, or driverless vehicles. Uh, right now I'm with Jim Pies, Corporate Manager uh, Toyota for North American Business Strategy. Uh, Jim, uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, uh, we've just been looking here at the, uh, the autonomous uh, vehicle that Toyota and Lexus have been showing off here at, at CES. Can you, can you run us through that, that technology? Sure. Uh, this the vehicle we're showing here at CES is our Advanced Active Safety Research Vehicle. It's a pure research vehicle right now that's equipped with a broad range of sensors and, and technology. Uh, just looking at it as we stand here, you know, it, it ha has a combination of side-facing radar and side-facing high-definition cameras to measure cross-traffic. And it, it also has forward-facing high-def cameras that can that can check and, and understand red, green, and yellow lighting. Plus, plus forward-facing radars. It also has. Uh, and very advanced uh, GPS systems, one in the front right, one in front left, and both of those combined uh, can can bring a, the car and understand where the car is down to like three millimeters. Wow! Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. So, 
how is it able to get that level of accuracy? Is it having having multiple GPS units, and uh, you know, does does it use the um, the GLONASS system as well, or is it just using it conventional does. GPS? It does, yeah. Well, it, you know, part of part of the, the technology is that black box on the roof there. Mm. That's a, a, an accelerometer, and uh, it, it also has some other technologies that that advance the capabilities of the GPS units. Part of that is secret sauce from Fort Toyota. <laughs> Very cool. Now, uh, obviously, people are interested in when are they going to be able to, uh, you know, kick around in their car and not have to uh, drive. Is, uh, is is that something we should expect in a, in a short space of time? Or, or are you more focused on uh, just assisting drivers with, you know, with, with, with safety? Or do you think it, it's pretty much uh, a reality that we won't have to drive our own vehicles within you know, the next 10 years or so? It's a good, que- good question. <clears throat> our, our focus is, is, has been uh, towards safety. Mm. And uh, what, what you're seeing with this vehicle is, is the first steps of our process of getting to fully autonomous. But we think that there's many stops in between fully autonomous and, and, and where we start. Where we start. Uh, this particular vehicle is giving us a, a broad range of insights uh, to uh, a very uh, intelligent group of PhD staffers that are monitoring its every move. Um, we think that you know our, philosoph- our our philosophy. We think our philo- philosophy is is a, is a good one to follow, and, and fundamentally, what that philosophy is is that uh, autonomous does not mean driverless. Mm, mm. Instead, what, what we what we feel is that uh, you know the vehicles that, that we're b- developing, the products that we're developing, can be an attentive, ever vigilant uh, co-pilot to our vehicles. And these co-pilot that can assist the driver become more skillful and safer, but at the same time they can it can also take up take up the slack for when human error is absolutely evident and an accident may occur. Vehicle will intervene. So, so that, it's sort of longer term that we'll uh, uh, you know pick an address on our uh, on our on our smartphone that we want to go to and. Uh, have the uh, the car pull itself out of the car park, pull up in, in in front of the house or the building. We'll jump in and it'll and it'll take us there. Well, there's an ultimate vision by some for for that. Uh, for for Lexus, I think we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see on that. Yeah, you know, wait and see. I think that for now, I think you will be happy to to to, to work toward our our vision and goal, and that is saving lives. Great. Uh, you know, in, in, you know, in in the United States right now. We lose the equivalent to uh, Juneau, Alaska, uh, the population of Juneau, Alaska, to traffic fatalities, 32,000 of those. Mm, and, mm. and every year of those 32,000 that we lose, tragically, 93% of those are due to human error. Right, right. Human error that can be mm. affected by technology like this. So our goal is to, is to kind of integrate, automate, uh, and develop layered new products uh, that you know that that produce much safer vehicles and that, that help us get to our goal of 
eliminating customer fatalities. Right. Now, with this particular, um, I guess, prototype, um, um, you know, technology that, that you've got here, uh, what is it actually able to do? You know, is it fully autonomous? I understand here in the state of Nevada, uh, you know, that uh, that vehicles are allowed to be, uh, you know, computer controlled and, and, and driven without a driver. What can this one do? Uh, I, I don't think that they can be driven without a driver. Okay, you know, not quite. Uh, you know, not yet. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, uh, so this vehicle uh, has the capability of sensing its surroundings. Yeah. So it, un- it understands pretty thoroughly, maybe better than what, what, a, what a human driving in a vehicle, is it, where this vehicle is capable of, of seeing behind it, mm. you know, mm. and making really fast decisions about cars coming up from behind you. What's coming in forward in front of you? Seventy meters around it, it really understands what's going on. Mm. Uh, and and as as that pro- progresses, we're learning more and more about what that kind of technology can provide to us. Mm. Because there's a fundamental difference between when when a car is is driven automatically and when a car is driven by a human and standard. So our PhDs are learning the differences there. And they're reacting to it, and they're we're developing it into our into our products that are for sale right now. Mm-hmm. We're we're getting we'll get there. Technology's yeah. moving fast, you know. But but right now we're not we're not going to talk about you know sure. a, a driverless vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know for me when I'm on the road. Uh, you know, I'll often take different routes depending on all sorts of little, little you know, factors as as I'm driving, and uh, you know, I might not quite like to have everything controlled by the vehicle. So, yeah. um, so I understand that now. Also, um, Toyota set up a um, uh, a testing ground for um, an intelligent uh, transport systems. Uh, can can you tell us a little bit about you know what uh, what that means exactly? Well, in Higashi Fuji, Japan, at the base of Mount Fuji, what we've been, what what we developed was a, a nine-acre uh, testing facility that that simulates an urban test environment. In yeah, words, it looks like a small uh, a small town that you have complete control of. Right, it's got intersections and stop signs and and and, and stop lights. Uh, it has crosswalks and 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 just about every conceivable pattern of traffic that you might see in a small city. And what we're doing is that we're we're working on as an interim step to this uh, machine-to-machine communications. That's we believe is a critical step in auto- in getting to our end goal of autonomous driving. So we're we're talking about uh, cars that are going to communicate with each other to avoid accidents, so that they they know what's you know what's nearby. Exactly, mm. car-to-car communication. In some cases, infrastructure to car communication, mm, mm. And, and and also there's a pedestrian avoidance, uh, you know, where where infrastructure is talking to cars and then saying, well, there's somebody in the crosswalk that you might not see, you know. Right. So those things are going to require some pretty big, uh, you know, changes of a crosswalk is to know that there's somebody on it, if there's somebody crossing the road or, you know, uh, that's probably a, a bigger step, isn't it? But I guess very easy maybe for uh, traffic lights to uh, send out an electronic signal to, to say uh, to say what they're doing and, and whose turn it yeah, is to uh, I to think go. governments governments will use local, local um, you know, existing infrastructure to support mm. support this. Mm. Uh, what, what, what we're thinking about in terms of that is that governments necessarily can't afford to put 
put a put a beacon on every corner, mm-hmm. but they can put a beacon beacon on things that we consider hidden, uh, um, more risky, risky locations. Risky okay, locations. yeah, yeah, that makes some sense. And uh, I guess to make all this work, we really need to have uh, you know industry standards, right? It's going to be uh, you know it's going to be a challenge if there needs to be you know something different to uh, you know to work with uh, with different manufacturers' vehicles. Is yes. that uh, is that something where where you're uh, you know you're working with some of the other car manufacturers and in terms of uh, you know we we see the picture going longer term. Well, the governing body is something called Intelligent Transportation, or ITS. Okay. Uh, and, and worldwide, uh, the ITS is, uh, plays a role in every country, from uh, from United States, Japan, New Zealand, everywhere. Uh, in this case of Japan, what, what, what's happening is that the government has reallocated specific spectrum. Uh, you know that 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 is a common standard for all manufacturers to build to. So you can all transmit in that area without getting, you know, interference from Wi-Fi and cell phones and so right. on. Right, and then, yeah. and then, uh, and then, and where a Nissan can talk to a Toyota or a, or a Lexus to a Mercedes, uh, because they're all part of the same same. That's using great. the same frequency. Yeah, and that's going to happen across the board. You know, I think in the United States, um, a decision this year will be made in that in that area. So, do you think the U.S. is really going to lead the way, as you know, as far as this uh, this is concerned? Because it takes somebody to sort of step out and uh, and start, you know, implementing these technologies before uh, you know we're going to see much movement, right? It's uh, there's not a lot of point necessarily uh, putting the technology into a vehicle if yeah. the technology is not going to be in in any of the infrastructure. Well, it, it seems like in the United States, autonomous vehicles have have been. Uh, been given a, a bump start, mm, you know. Mm, uh, mm. You know, that may be our friends from Google that have to help define the market a little bit. Absolutely, here in the United yeah. States. So um, we th- we do think that you know, in terms of other technologies like ITS, mm. vehicle to vehicle, machine to machine, there may be leadership in Japan or other places, mm. and and uh, we're looking for leadership all over the world to kind of come to come come together and, mm. and bring mm. these technologies. Mm. Uh, to fruition, mm. and I mean, you know, in, in, in other realms, we've seen uh, you know vendors like Google and 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 Microsoft and so on um, really play you know play play a real key part in in uh, you know various industries. Obviously, uh, um, you know, in the smartphone uh, space, for instance, you've got. Uh, you know, manufacturers who are producing smartphones, but somebody else is making, uh, you know, a lot of the smartest technology that sits inside of those. Um, how do you think that's going to shake out in the in the auto space? Do you see that the the Googles and Microsofts, uh, you know, have a have a place to uh, uh, to play? Will you partner with those sorts of firms, or do you think this is the sort of thing where uh, the innovation will come from inside the industry? Well, right now we're focused on our internal uh, uh, development of this technology, uh, mm. but we we don't want to preclude any 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 level of partnership, mm. uh, you know that, that could possibly happen. But right now, what we've developed this car, this the, this proving grounds, have been all internally developed by Toyota. Mm. Toyota has a spends about a million dollars an hour in technology, nine billion dollars a year for uh, original research and development. And that's on all fields globally, you know, so. 
So you've, you've probably got enough budget to uh, to come up with some fairly uh, fairly impressive uh, things in this space. That's true. That's yeah, true. But we're trying we're trying our best. Yeah. Oh, that that's great. And uh, you know, if we were to look forward a little bit, maybe uh, you know. 10 years what would be your prediction of of where we where we might land with these uh with these technologies what would be uh you know the norm 10 years down the track you know i'm not a what is it a prognosticator Uh, (laughs) i really you know i really would be hesitant to to, to predict the future the only thing i can say about the future is going to be very interesting Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Jim. Uh, Appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Well, that just about wraps us up for this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, Finally, we talked to uh, we talked to Exhibit, of course, known uh, known for his music and also known as the host of MTV's Pimp My Ride show. I'm right here with uh, Exhibit. Uh, tell me what you're uh, what you're doing here at CES. Are you a bit of a tech head yourself? Uh, you're obviously into the sounds. I love I love uh, I love technology. You know I, I am a, a tech geek. You know I, I geek out on my phones and my video games and whatnot. But I'm here with Monster Monster Cable, and uh, what we're doing is we have our first standalone gaming headphone. Um, it, you know Monster is known for their high quality headphones that sound, um, and now we're stepping into the gaming side of things. So I am in the face of Monster Games. Uh, it's been two and a half years before we stepped into the marketplace developing this this standalone headphone. It's called the MVP Carbon in association with EA Sports, and uh, you know we, we're about to take over. We're about to take over the gaming. I know there's competition out there, but I mean there is no competition when you when when it's when it's when it's like this. Oh, we, we did our thing. That's cool. Now, what's your favorite gadget? My favorite gadget has to be. I mean, well, like I said, I'm a gamer, man. I love, I love the consoles. I'm not a PC gamer, so yeah. my Xbox has got to be hands Xbox, down my favorite. Yeah, yeah, my favorite yeah. piece of equipment. And what, what, what smartphone and tablet do you use? I use. I used to be an iPhone guy, but now I'm on that Samsung Galaxy Note 2. Yeah, I'm on that Samsung. Cool, you know? cool. And what are you, what are you rocking on the street? What are you driving now? Uh, a Bentley. Nothing much. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. Oh, good. Good. Good to chat to you. Nice here. to talk Enjoy to you too, man. Show, Thank man. you. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, we do actually still have some more coming from uh, from CS 2013. Uh, so do keep a, a lookout on uh, on our feed and on the nztechpodcast.com website. Uh, of course, on Facebook and Twitter as well, where we will often uh, often make updates. So uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, you can follow myself, Paul Spain, on Twitter too. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my name, at Paul Spain. Thank you. See ya.